G'day, g'day! Welcome to Game Day with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe the Babe, and you're about to get an insight to the college football world. And if you like these episodes, please subscribe to keep Gabe the Babe going. Go Kooks! What's up, Kooks fans? Welcome back to Game Day with Gabe. In this episode, I'll be talking about my Super Bowl takeaways. And boy, they are big. My Super Bowl takeaways are special. But anyway, we're going to do that and we're going to do some BYU basketball and some college basketball news. The Super Bowl, to start things off, was a great game. Great finish. And the Chiefs came out on top. So Andy Reid led his Chiefs to a second straight Super Bowl title. They were down by 10, and they rallied with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to win in overtime. They won Super Bowl 58, repeat champs. And Patrick Mahomes played lights out again. Amazing in this game, especially near the fourth quarter in overtime. That's when things picked up for the Chiefs, and that's when he really showed why he's MVP. So he got Super Bowl MVP, and their way that they won the game was genius. Well, this was the Chiefs' uh, third Super Bowl win and fourth appearance in the last five years. So they've won three out of the five last Super Bowls. That's just bonkers. They're so dominant. It's definitely a dynasty. So this Chiefs' last play, how they won the game, it was a genius drop by head coach Andy Reid. They were down 19-22 to in overtime, and... Some of the 49ers players didn't know exactly how overtime worked, I suppose, because the overtime clock was ticking down to three seconds, and then the Chiefs snapped the ball. It was a fake motion one way by wide receiver McCall Hardman, who they acquired midseason in a trade with the Jets. McCall Hardman darted out to the corner of the end zone and was wide open. There was nobody on him, and the defense was caught off guard. The Chiefs won, threw it in the end zone, he caught it, he said he he actually blacked out after catching the game-winning touchdown that won the Super Bowl. So funny. And they won it. So, it I don't know. Taylor Swift uh, effect is real, I guess. All the Swifties are pretty happy with this outcome. Let's back up a little bit before in the game. So, the 49ers got a touchdown. They could have gone up 16-12 to with this touchdown. But they got to 15-12, to and then their kicker, uh, Moody... Missed the extra point, causing it to be a three-point game instead of a four-point game. And it was blocked. It was a blocked extra point. Why this is consequential is because the Chiefs were only down by three instead of down by four. And so they can kick a field goal and tie, like sending it to overtime, instead of having to go for a touchdown and have to end the game right there and then. And this came into play because the Chiefs, they did get another touchdown and the Niners got a field goal, and I mean, the Chiefs were down by three points somehow, and they had to get a a field goal to tie it, but if they were down by four instead, if the 49ers kicker had made that one extra point, they would have had to go for a touchdown on their final drive of the game, and there wasn't a lot of time left, so it was big that they missed that extra point. The 49ers' key player was Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings was a wide receiver, and he played out of his mind. He threw for a touchdown, and he caught for a touchdown. But some takeaways from both teams regarding ball security was fumbles. They had four fumbles in this game combined. They need to work on ball security a lot. Christian McCaffrey, for the running, the running back for the Niners, had 80 yards, 
and he had uh, 80 reception yards, 80 rushing yards, and a rushing uh, a reception touchdown. Juwan Jennings threw for a touchdown to McCaffrey, and then he also caught for the touchdown. The Chiefs had Patty Mahomes went 34 for 46, 333 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. That's wicked. That's amazing. And then they had McCool Hardman catch a touchdown. He had a long of 52. That was the longest pass in the game by far. And the other touchdown was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So the Chiefs got it done. The 49ers players in overtime didn't know the new overtime rules in the Super Bowl. It's basically the new postseason rules, which is where if one team scores a touchdown first, normally it would end the game, but not in the postseason, because that's not fair. Both teams need a chance to possess the football. So what the Niners did in overtime, it was tied 19-19. to They went down, and they kicked a field goal. And they were so close to getting a touchdown too, but they got stalled on third down on their drive. So they had to settle for a field goal. Now, normally the game would just end after a touchdown. Or, um, yeah, it would end after the 49ers got a touchdown, the game would be over. But they settled for a field goal. In both, in both overtime rules, if they kick a field goal, then the other team has a chance to possess the football. Even if the Niners had scored a touchdown, the Chiefs would still get a chance to possess the football in overtime. Well, Mahomes, even if the Niners had got a touchdown, I think Patrick Mahomes would have found a way to win anyway because he's shown that he can do it in clutch scenarios. In und- in like really bad odds, he can find a way to string together a big drive and get his team together and get a, like a game-winning drive or a touchdown to tie the game or win it. So I think the Chiefs do deserve the second Super Bowl because they have all the right players and everything's clicking with offense and defense. One key defensive player for the Chiefs was defensive defensive end Chris Jones. Chris Jones is such a good defensive end because he wreaks so much havoc, puts pressure on the quarterback, makes him make rushed throws. In fact, this came into play in this game because they had a couple plays where Brock Purdy had a wide receiver streaking right to the end zone, and he would have had a clear pass and a clear catch, but Chris Jones got too much pressure on the quarterback, Brock Purdy, since he's still a rookie, he doesn't have as much experience about throwing accurately when under pressure and such. Anyway, they didn't get those touchdowns because of the pressure that Chris Jones put on them. So that's how the Chiefs also won the game. It's all about defense. You can win with offense, but you gotta actually win with defense. That's how they did it. This Super Bowl had a record viewer viewer um, record of 123.4 million. That's the longest... <coughs> That's the most Super Bowl viewers in any Super Bowl in history. Crazy. It was also the longest Super Bowl because it went to overtime, and they had a lot of TV timeouts, commercials, halftime show. Everything adds up. It was probably four or five hours of a game. And $60 million was made in revenue just in overtime because of more commercials that the NFL got to put in. Crazy. It was the second overtime ever in the Super Bowl. First time was Tom Brady and the Patriots coming back against the Falcons in 2017. Jake Moody and Jake Moody was the Niners kicker, missed the extra point, but he also had some records in this game. He set the Super Bowl kicking record with 55 yards to start off the scoring. <coughs> now, the Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker 
he had something to say about that. He kicked a 57-yarder later after this, and he nailed the record that Moody had just set two hours before. So Moody set the all-time record for longest Super Bowl in history, and then Butker comes along and nails a 57-yarder and beats it. Doesn't even last two hours. Crazy what happens. Anyway, those are some fun stats and takeaways from the Super Bowl. The Chiefs came out on top, and now they're going to be looking for a three-peat. As Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and Patty Mahomes said in the post-game interview and celebration, they're going to be back for a three-peat next year. Andy Reid was, he's such a guy. I love Andy Reid because it's a, sun, it's a Sunday, so he got in church clothes, went to church in Vegas, changed into the Super Bowl clothes, coached his team to the Super Bowl victory, changed back into church clothes, and went to a club. That's a, that's a crazy guy. I'm glad that he's a member of the church and that he was at BYU. Now I'm, I'm happy for him that he's leading the Chiefs to Super Bowl titles. Some more BYU, BYU news. BYU basketball picked up a win against Kansas State and against UCF. We also lost on Saturday to Oklahoma State on the road. <coughs> the start of the first of these three games, it was at home against Kansas State. So we'd just come off a loss at Oklahoma by about 16 points. And so we were feeling a little down, but... It's good because we bounced back with the rock at our back, the student section in the Marriott Center in Provo, with the high altitudes that our teammates know how to shoot and play in. So we were prepared for this game. I think we were better prepared than Kansas State. This is because Kansas State was just coming off a game against Kansas, in which they got the upset. So their mindset was still back then, and they weren't really prepared to face BYU. So we played well, but we still played ugly. Like, we shot 10 for 21 on free throws in this game. That's under 50%, unacceptable, and Mark Pope made some critical changes after this. It was an ugly win. The lead went from 17 points at some point all the way down to 2 because we could not play defense, we were playing lazy, and we were putting up horrendous shots. But a win is a win, so we'll take it. Jackson Robinson was the key as to why we won this game. We were only up by 2 with a minute left, he dribbled into a three-pointer and swooshed it, putting us up by five. <coughs> Our next three games are going to be hosting hosting UCF, playing at Oklahoma State, and then hosting Baylor. We've already played two of those games. When we hosted UCF, it was a great game. We won by two, but it was so entertaining in the last minute, you won't even believe what happened. Then we played at Oklahoma State, and we completely let down everyone. It was the worst loss of our season. But let's go back to the UCF game. Some crazy stats that I need to tell you about. We combined for 113 second half points. Isn't that bonkers? That's so much. They had 62 and we had 51. There were 24 points scored in the last minute of this basketball game. 24. Isn't that nuts? You'd never see that any time except for the last minute because there's three-pointers, fouls, free-throws, timeouts. Three-pointers, fouls, free-throws, timeouts. Repeated, repeated, repeated. Each process only takes about five seconds, give or take. When you put it all together and do the math, 24 points seems likely. Everyone was hitting their shots. We were hitting our free-throws. UCF was hitting their three-pointers. Their miraculous three-pointers were sometimes 
hard to believe they were going in because they were just chucking him up from Steph Curry range and doing crazy shots. Well, on this game, we improved a bunch on free throws. So we went from going 10 for 21 in the home game against Kansas State, three days later going 40 for 45. That's such an improvement. We went from under 50% to over 85%. It's a big improvement. US, UCF has a unique playing style of very physical. They have a very physically playing style. They had many dunks, blocks, and forced turnovers. Unfortunately for them, they just can't figure out shooting. Their shooting isn't it's so great, and they also fig- um, don't do like perimeter defense as well. That's what BYU excels in. We're not big, athletic, tall, lengthy, as much as the other teams and players in the Big 12 are. So we have to rely on shooting, smart plays, passing, smart shots, you know, everything that's the mind game, and that's how we excel at. So that's what we did. That's how we beat UCF. We also had the advantage of them being gassed because of the elevation. So the elevation in Provo is very high. They're not used to it, but we've gotten used to it. So it made them more gassed. And Jackson Robinson, man, he was clutch in this game. He got 21 points, shot lights out. Every single game in the Big 12 is going to be nail-biting and a close finish. And that's showed. One thing to improve is our second halves. Because in our second halves, we've had two games in a row at home to Kansas State and to UCF, where we've had big leads, and then we've blew them, and it's become a nail-biter of a game. Then we still pull out for the finish. But we blow big leads in the second half. And that's a critical error we've got to fix. It's not just these two games. It's happened earlier, like against Texas Tech, Cincinnati, Baylor, you name it. A lot of our games, we've had some second-half unfortunate uh, turnarounds. We need to fix that. Sometimes we just start off off the bat on the first half, like we did against Oklahoma State. We dug ourselves into a 15-point deficit. Not recommended. But we've done a good job in improving second halves, I'd say. So... We have have some poor shooting games. We've had some good rebounding games. And defense in second half has also been pretty bad. Um, we're, I don't know. We somehow went up in the rankings from 21 to 19. Mainly because teams ahead of us have lost. I'm not sure if our wins recently are as convincing on a resume. Like a 6-point win at home and then a 2-point win at home to an unranked team. I'm not sure if that's too convincing. But I guess it worked because the AP poll moved us from 21 to 19. And we're probably going to move back out because of our loss to Oklahoma State. Some quick takeaways. Obviously, we can't shoot the three. Our three-pointers was not going in this day. Normally, we can shoot. But today, we started off 1 for 11, and we never recovered. 1 for 11 is going to lose you a game. And then they were hitting all their shots. They were shooting over 50% on three-pointers in this game. And if they're shooting lights out like that, there's no way you're going to beat them. Because Oklahoma State is fast, athletic, and obviously smart at taking good three-point shots. And if they hit all their shots and they hustle on defense like they did this game, they destroyed us. They left us in the dust and they beat us by 10. Oklahoma State is the last team in the Big 12. This shows how deep the Big 12 is that BYU can go from being beating some of the best teams Coming really close to being Houston, top of the league, we beat second team Iowa State at home, and then we lose to Oklahoma State by 10 on the road. 
it's a little, it's like teasing your mind how this can happen. It's just how deep the Big 12 is. And then we've got six upcoming games. Disregard um, Oklahoma State. The next six games are going to be hosting Baylor. We get to host TCU. We get to host Oklahoma State. But on the road, we have to play at Kansas, Kansas State, and we have to play at Iowa State. Those six games are going to be tough. I think the game against Baylor is winnable, but it's nail-biting and tough. The game against TCU is also going to be physical, tough, and close. And then the home game to Oklahoma State, also physical, tough, and close. But we should win that one. Then our three games on the road are all so difficult. Kansas has not lost a home game this year. Iowa State has not lost a home game this year. And we're going to play at both of those teams this next six games. Good luck, Cougars. We also have one more road game at Kansas State. Maybe we could pull off a wild upset because that's a tough place to go and get a win. Kansas State just beat Kansas at home. Maybe BYU can go in and get a win. What I would love to see more than anything was to see us go into like Kansas's Allen Fieldhouse and get an upset. Out of nowhere, it's a trap game for them. They let their guard down. We go in and upset them. That would be amazing. That would be historic. If we shot lights out, it's possible. That's what I would love to see happen. That or Iowa State. I would take either of those games. Because any game in the Big 12 is a chance to get your resume up. Right now, resume puts us at a 7-6 seed, probably because of our recent loss at Oklahoma State. So a 6 or 7 seed is where we're at right now. If we can get a decent win, like on the road, and then continue to keep, uh, like hold our home games and keep it in touch with our Cougars, then I think we'll be a solid 6-5 seed in the NCAA tournament, which will be great. But it shows how deep the Big 12 is that you can do all this. Bonkers that Kansas is 1-5 on the road in conference play, but they're 7-0 at home. Crazy. And unranked Texas Tech bested the Jayhawks by 29 points on Tuesday when they were playing at home. So Kansas, obviously, can play at home really well. And unfortunately, we have to play them when they're playing at home. But they can't play on the road. We could easily beat them on the home, at home if we're playing at home. Around the college basketball world, there are some unpredictable upsets. And we don't know who the champ's going to be for March Madness. Some say Purdue, some say UConn, Arizona, Houston, Kansas. Who knows? It's anyone's year this year. It's going to be a wild March Madness, completely unpredictable. And the top 10 teams have a combined 43 losses between them all. The top 10 in college basketball. Isn't that nuts? 43 losses. Now that's a lot compared to recent years. Recent years, most teams will have one or two, creating about 20, maybe 30 max. We have 43 losses in the top 10 teams of college basketball. It's going to be a fun remainder of the year. Gabe's game this week is going to be more college basketball. Tune in for it because that's all you're going to have. Right now, Super Bowl finished up for the NFL. That's done with college football and NFL. No more football. It's just basketball going on right now. So tune in to college basketball and check out the latest games for Gabe's game, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast. As always, if you enjoyed it, please make sure to share with a fellow avid Cougs fan. Let's keep Gabe the Babe going and support Gabe and Day with Gabe. If you want, you can even add a donation to this podcast. 
Let's go Cougs!